Yes, yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. How are we, guys? It's so good to be uh, with you. Shout out Becky. Becky on the bass, first time. Um, man, it is uh, so, so good to be with you. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's David Branch. I serve on the missions team here, and um, it's always such a pleasure to come hang with you guys at the table. My wife and I love the table. Uh, we love young adults. And um, when Isaac asked me to come hang with you guys, I was like, uh, absolutely. They're the coolest people in Orlando. And um, but if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to open up to 1 Samuel chapter 18. That's where we'll camp out today. Um, but something you may not know about me while you're turning there is that I grew up playing baseball. Uh, any baseball fans in the room? Okay, I hear like five. That's why they call it America's pastime. Um, uh, I see Juan with a baseball hat on. Shout out Juan. Love you, dude. Um, but here's a picture of me. Actually, about five years old. Um, this is little David. I hear the Oz. One of them is probably my wife. Um, I grew up playing Little League right around this area. And my, um, my dream was to play college baseball. Okay? I trained pretty much my whole uh, teenager and young life to do that. Um, I um, eventually decided I wanted to play travel ball. Travel ball is basically this, where um, you travel and you play baseball, obviously. But I played around Florida, played some places around the country. And eventually, what these did was it got me in front of college coaches so that I could kind of fulfill this dream of mine. Um, so I got the freshman year, got to high school, and that came and went. And then I got to my sophomore year of high school, and that came and went. Then I got to my junior year of high school, and that came and went. And then I finally got to my senior year and still had no real opportunity um, or chance to really go play in college. I remember as a young teenager, I'd come home from practice or come home from school or a game, and I'd go to the mailbox, and I'd open it up real slow while saying a little prayer, hoping to see a letter from a college coach, and nothing. Nothing. Now, here's what was also happening. My teammates... My teammates who I was playing ball with, um, they began to get offers to come play in college and to come play on a college team. And what I wanted, what I was dreaming for, they were getting. This made me jealous. This made me jealous. I remember um, this team had a, basically a Facebook page. And I remember seeing posts, uh, so-and-so is committed to go to the University of Central Florida. Go Knights, charge on. Um, So-and-so is committed to go to Florida Gulf Coast University. So-and-so is committed to go to Rollins College, and David Branch was committed nowhere. And I became jealous about this. And that's the vice we're going to talk about tonight. We've been in a series called Vices, and we've been studying gossip and what the Bible has to say about that. And we've studied lust and what the Bible has to say about that. And I thought Isaac's done a really good job of really setting the tone and unpacking things well. But tonight we're going to talk about jealousy. Now my suspicion is that I'm not alone in this, that many of y'all have felt jealousy before too. Okay, maybe, um, maybe you're looking to get that promotion or that achievement at work. But all your friends are getting the very thing that you want. And they're climbing the corporate ladder that you so desperately want to climb. 
Maybe for some of you, you want a hubby or a wifey or a relationship, right? And a lot of your friends are changing their relationship status on Facebook, or you're seeing engagement notices come on Facebook, or maybe people are starting to send you save the dates, right? And you're begrudging them, putting them on the fridge, trying to support them, but deep down you're jealous, right? Maybe for some of you, you're thinking about um, a leadership role in the church, and all your friends are being shoulder-tapped for things. Maybe you're not. Maybe it's left to jealous. Maybe even for some of you, um, your friends talk about these rich experiences you have with Jesus, these deep, meaningful um, prayer times or these deep, meaningful times in the Word, and you haven't quite had that yet. And maybe you're a little jealous about that. Wherever you are tonight, I think we've all experienced jealousy. But here's the tension. Jealousy can be very, very tricky to manage. It's hard. It's kind of a silent killer. And so my aim tonight is to answer three simple questions. Okay, three simple questions. One, what is jealousy? Let's define it. Number two, why is jealousy so damaging? Number three, how do I respond when I become jealous? Before we jump in, let's pray together. Father, we, um, we don't need anything but you. Father, I don't need anything but you. And many of us, God, are in a season of waiting on things and wanting things that maybe some of our friends are beginning to get. And Father, God, I pray that um, we would become just deeply, deeply satisfied in you. God, I pray that you'd speak to us through your word. God, help me to speak with clarity and be helpful. And Lord, I pray that we just have a great time worshiping you and experiencing you tonight. We love you. And then we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so first question. What is jealousy? Jealousy is simply this, a fear that someone will get what we want. A fear that someone will get what we want. Now, um, let me illustrate this. Um, jealousy is at the root of, like, any procedural crime show. Okay? Y'all know this, right? Okay. So, like, the classic scenario, right? A husband or a wife begins to suspect that their hubby or their wifey is maybe, you know, doing what they're not supposed to do, and they become jealous of this. But at the root of that is a fear that someone else is taking and getting what they want from their husband or their wife, or in their husband or their wife, okay? Now, let me take you back to my experience in baseball. Um, it really wasn't about the scholarship, getting a chance to play college baseball. It really wasn't about that. What I was really after was affirmation. The scholarship, the chance to play on a team, it was really about being affirmed that I was good enough. Y'all been there? Yeah, me too. But at the root of that is um, I was sensing that my teammates were getting the very thing that I wanted. And I, was feared that I, I feared that I would never, ever get that. And so I became jealous about that. But now here's the thing. Okay, this is our definition, a fear that someone will get what I want. Why is it so damaging? Why is jealousy so damaging? Um, well, I think 1 Samuel 18 provides us an answer to that question. There's this guy in the Bible in this passage, his name is King Saul, and I think his life in this chapter will really serve as a model for us about why it's so damaging. And so I'd invite you to turn to, if you haven't yet, 1 Samuel 18. Um, we're going to read through verses 6 
through 16. I'm going to take them in chunks, but go with me now to verse 6. Read with me. As they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul. With tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments, and the women sang to one another as they celebrated, Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me, to me, they ascribe thousands. What more can he have? but the kingdom. Okay, so what's going on here? Um, if you back up a little bit, if you back up and kind of read the first couple chapters of 1 Samuel 18, here's what's happened so far, okay? This guy Saul, King Saul has been anointed king over Israel, all right? He's the guy. He's the CEO. Um, he's had some success. He'd led some cool, like, military campaigns, and um, he seems to have this favor from God and favor among the people, um, but then he finds himself in this battle against these people called the Philistines, which were like... Um, the rival, the enemy of Israel, okay? Um, in this battle, y'all have heard this story. There's this guy, this giant named Goliath, all right? He's this just arrogant, like, stud, okay? That's who Goliath is. Goliath comes out, and he starts taunting the Israelites, and not one of them do a single thing about it. No one steps up to face this giant and slay him, but then there's this young shepherd, by the name of David. He shows up on the scene and he does this kind of like cool spiritual trash talk thing and slings some stones at Goliath, hits him in the forehead, and Goliath dies. Okay? This basically earns David a promotion. He gets his first big boy job. All right? And um, he experiences some favor and he experiences some success. But here's the thing he starts to become more successful than Saul. All right? Which is why if you read this text that we just read, they enter the city and they kind of have this like welcome parade back home and these women kind of come out of nowhere and they're like, yeah, Saul's, Saul's killed his thousands, but David, David's killed his ten thousands. In other words, David's more successful than Saul. Saul picks up on this, right? And this drives him to say what he says in verse 8. Go back to the text with me. He says, they have ascribed to David, ten thousands. And to me, they have ascribed thousands? And what more can he have but the kingdom? Here's what I think he was really saying here. I think he was really saying, and what more can he have but my kingdom? What more can he have but my kingdom? Here's our first observation about why jealousy is so damaging. Jealousy reveals our greatest priority and our deepest fear. You see, Saul, um, Saul's greatest priority was building his kingdom. In other words, his jealousy revealed his idol. And our jealousy reveals our idols. His greatest priority was building this kingdom called Israel, but his deepest fear was losing his kingdom. In David's success and Saul's jealousy, we learn that jealousy, um, jealousy reveals our, our greatest priority, but it also reveals our deepest fear. In other words, jealousy reveals our idols. But here's the thing. 
jealousy drove Saul to do something else. Go back with me to um, go with me back to the text to verse nine. It's one little verse, but there's so much in this. Check it out with me. And Saul eyed David from that day on. Observation number two about why jealousy is so damaging. Jealousy is a threat to unity. Jealousy is a threat to unity. King Saul became very suspicious of David to the point where David becomes his rival, his enemy. This little shepherd boy, this runt, made Saul feel so jealous. So much so that this threatened the unity that the Israelite nation had. If you like fast forward a little bit and you go to the, the book to the right of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, we learn that in chapter 2 and 3, two and three of that, uh, that book, that David ends up becoming anointed king of Israel. Okay, spoiler alert. I think I'm allowed to spoil the Bible. I think that's okay. Um, but David becomes king of Israel. But he inherits this generational jealousy that exists in the house of Saul. Saul's family, his, I think his sons, his cousins, his boys, the house of Saul, his people, um, they wage war against the house of David. That doesn't happen if Saul, in verse 9, doesn't begin to become suspicious of David. Jealousy became a threat to unity in the kingdom of Israel. But here's the thing. That was, you know, 2,000 plus years ago, right? Is that still possible today? I think it is. I think it is. In our families, in our groups, in our churches, in our businesses, jealousy can become a threat to unity. Our mission table family, First Orlando family, church family, is way too important to get caught up in trivial matters that are driven by jealousy. Let's not sacrifice unity at the altar of jealousy. Saul did that. Saul did that. Jealousy became a threat to unity. But here's the thing. A jealousy can lead us to do some things that we never wanted to do in the first place. Go back with me to the text. We'll go back to verse 10. It says this, The next day a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul. And he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre, as he did day by day. Saul had his spear in his hand, and Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him but had departed from Saul. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand. And he went out and he came in before the people, and David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, for he went out and he came in before them. So why is jealousy so damaging? Because jealousy reveals our greatest priority and our deepest fear. Why is jealousy so damaging? Because jealousy threatens unity. And finally, third observation, jealousy drives us to react irrationally. Jealousy drives us to react irrationally. 
because Saul became so jealous of David, it literally led Saul to attempt murder. Murder. He took a spear and he tried to turn David into Hobby Lobby wall decor, right? And he probably would have put him up for a big sale and a big discount. And my wife probably would have gone there to Hobby Lobby, right? Like, now we may not be like Saul and attempt murder. But here's the thing. I think, uh, I think things like gossip, betrayal, hypercriticism, um, putting someone else down to make yourself feel better, bitterness, resentment, I think at the core of all these may just be jealousy. Jealousy often um, catalyzes um, other vices. And at the root of some of the vices we're talking about may just be jealousy. Oftentimes, um, jealousy can lead to reactions that we never really wanted to do in the first place. Jealousy can drive us to do things that we never wanted to do. For Saul, it was hurling a spear at a young shepherd boy. For us, it may be gossip. For us, it may be putting other people down. For us, it may be resentment and bitterness. Jealousy can drive us to react irrationally. But here's the thing. I was thinking through a way to maybe illustrate all these observations about why it's so damaging and package them. Um, and I thought that a illustration from the Lin-Manuel Miranda classic Hamilton would be helpful here. Okay? Um, wow. Yeah, clap it up for Lin. That's cool. That's cool. Do people, like, refer to him as Lin, or is it always, like, his full name? That's a question I have. Full name? Okay, cool. So, specifically, I want to focus in on Aaron Burr, okay? The life of Aaron Burr. Wow, Aaron Burr fan. Wow, okay, cool. So, Aaron Burr comes onto the scene, right? Um, Alexander Hamilton comes to him, basically wanting to seek advice, and Aaron Burr asks a very pointed question, okay? He says, do you want to get ahead? And in that, we, we learn that probably both Hamilton and Burr's greatest priority in life was to get ahead, but also perhaps their uh, biggest fear in life was to get left behind. And that's exactly what happens to Burr, right? They both find themselves in the company of George Washington, and Aaron Burr basically makes his pitch to become his right-hand man, but then Hamilton comes in and kind of steals his thunder and George Washington makes Hamilton his right-hand man, and Burr is left on the sideline. And this drives him and both of them to say, we keep meeting. In other words, they had their eye on one another. They became a little jealous. But Burr loses, and Hamilton wins out. And this drives Burr uh, to do the irrational. He ends up uh, blackmailing Hamilton. And he ends up running against Hamilton's father-in-law. And he ends up literally committing murder and I guess a socially acceptable way back in the American Revolution times, right? <laughs> but murder. In the life of King Saul, in the life of Aaron Burr, we see that jealousy is so damaging because it reveals our greatest priority and our deepest fear. Because it can threaten unity in the American Revolution, in the kingdom of Israel, and in our lives today. And finally, jealousy can drive us to do the irrational. And here's the thing, man. This is not um, abnormal or out of the question for all of us today. Jealousy is a reality for all of us. At best, we can eliminate it, but at worst, we must learn how to manage it for the sake of our own souls, for the sake of our families, for the sake of our 
churches and for the sake of our businesses. Jealousy has got to be managed well. And so final question, how do we respond when we become jealous? Bottom line tonight, hear this if you haven't heard anything else. How do we respond to jealousy? By doing this, seek to build the kingdom of God, not your kingdom. Seek to build God's kingdom, not your kingdom. When we are truly orienting ourselves to seek first the kingdom of God, to seek first God's kingdom, these idols that are vying for our attention and our affection, they get put to the side. When we are seeking first the kingdom of God and seeking to build his kingdom, unity is maintained even in the face of maybe some conflict because ultimately we don't want to sacrifice unity at the altar of jealousy. God's kingdom and his mission to make his will done on earth is too, too important. And finally, when we're seeking to build God's kingdom, we become a little more wise and a little more discerning, and a little more patient, and a little more teachable, and it can mitigate against us doing the irrational. But now you may be asking, okay, David, this seems like a great ideal to aim at, to aim for, um, and I want to do that, but is there a way to maybe discern um, how I can do this? Is there a way to know if I'm truly seeking to build God's kingdom and not my kingdom. Well, ultimately, you know, that's kind of between you and God. You can present yourself in a number of ways, but I think there are three questions that we could all ask to better situate and posture ourselves so that we're seeking to build God's kingdom and not our own. Okay? First question. Why am I jealous? Why am I jealous? Bringing clarity and naming, am I jealous? And from that, why am I jealous? It gives us the ability to name the things that are going on in our world. And what we name, we can control. But what we don't name, what we let run rampant and left unchecked, we can't control. Right? And bringing clarity on why we are jealous, it may actually reveal idols in our lives, things like achievement, things like affirmation, things like appetite. I think that can bleed into a number of areas, some of the other vices we've talked about. All of these things we can name and we can own and we become aware of by just simply asking the question, why am I jealous? I had to do this as an 18-year-old, and as I was processing our time together today, it really hit me that, oh, in that season, I really just wanted affirmation. I really just wanted someone to tell me I was good enough. And maybe there's good in that, but ultimately I was seeking something that only God can provide, not a college scholarship. Maybe some of you, you become jealous, you've, you've become jealous because maybe one of your friends starting to date someone that you may want to date, and you've become jealous. Ask yourself, why is that? Am I seeking something? Am I placing a relationship? Am I um, placing love? Am I placing affirmation in the place that God may be? Asking the question, why are we jealous, helps us reorder our loves and make sure that we love God most. And he's the most important thing to us in life. Why are you jealous? Second question. I want you to really lean into this one, okay? Can I truly celebrate the success of others? 
Really? Okay? Can I truly celebrate the success of others? Really? When we are living in community, especially healthy community, people are going to win. Like, people are going to have things, really cool things happen to them. They're going to get that promotion. They're going to get that relationship. They're going to get that thing, that house, that baby, believe it or not, jealousy doesn't end when singleness ends. Okay? All my married couple friends are like, yeah, okay, he said it, cool. Um, can you truly celebrate the success of others? Really? That's a, that's a like, if you think about an engine, engine light, um, that's, when that's on the dashboard of your life, and you become aware of like, oh, someone succeeded at something and I wasn't happy about it, that may mean that there's jealousy involved, and there may be an idol in your life, and you may just may be seeking to build your kingdom and not God's kingdom. Okay? But here's the thing. You know, many of us would never outright voice our jealousy, like, in public and out loud. Right? That would just be, like, socially unwise. <laughs> you would lose so much social currency if you like, I'm jealous of you, and, like, actually meant it and not, like, in a playful way. But here's the thing, right? When we hear something good that's happened in our friend's life, we celebrate with them. You know, we're all smiley. Um, Y'all give hugs. I give fist bumps because I'm not very touchy. But then we go home, and we're on the way home. We're, like, plotting their demise, <laughs> right? And we like, why this happened to them? They don't, they don't deserve that. I deserve that. Can you truly celebrate the success of others? Really? And finally, how has God been good to me in this season? Here's why I'm asking us to consider this question. Probably all of us in the room are waiting on something. I don't know what that is. And maybe, just maybe that some of, maybe that some of your friends are beginning to get the very thing that you want and it may be leaving you feeling jealous. Um, number one, I get it. I've been there. I understand. But here's what I've observed about myself. Oftentimes, when I'm in the weeds of my life and I'm thinking of all the things that are wrong or all the things that I don't have and I'm just kind of seeing the world in black and white when I really could and want to be seeing the world in color, um, sometimes I miss all the really good things that God has done for me and is doing right now in this season. And oftentimes it's so helpful when we're feeling jealous and things aren't as they should be and all your friends are getting the thing that you want. Oftentimes it's helpful to reorient back towards the goodness of God and his character because he is good. And he has been good to me and he's been good to you. Get this, God is jealous for you. He's the only one that can be jealous because he's the only one that rightfully owns everything. He's jealous for you. He's claimed you as his son. He's claimed you as his daughter. And he loves you lavishly. And he loves you deeply. And he wants the best for you. And he's been good to you. So we're going to take about two minutes. Okay, Lucas and the band, they're going to pad. Set a good vibe, set a good mood, right? We're going to take about two minutes. And we're going to reflect on these three questions but I want us to specifically focus on the last one. How has God been good to you in this season?
Let's pray together and then we'll reflect. Jesus, we love you, God. Father, I pray that we would seek to build your kingdom and not our kingdom. Father, help us to remember how good you've been to us and the things that we feel like we're lacking and help us to realize that we have all we need in you. Father, help us to remember that you're jealous for us and that you love us and you don't want anything else to vie for our attention and our affection because you are what's best for us. We love you. In your name we pray.